This episode is brought to you by Vonage. With Vonage Video API, your developers can easily create custom video experiences tailored to your business. Enhance every conversation with live video, whether it's delivering faster tech support, improving customer service, or enabling interactive meetings and events. Unlock the true video potential of your business. Discover how at Vonage.com. Jeff Bezos is a man with a lot of power. He founded Amazon and owns the Washington Post. And unless Amazon is having a bad day on the stock market, Jeff Bezos is the richest man in the world. Being a powerful person can often mean you're a target. And last week, Jeff Bezos said he was a target, a target of a hack that he says was done by Saudi Arabia. This is just the latest plot point in a long and complicated relationship between Bezos and the Saudi government. Today on the show, the Saudi connection to Jeff Bezos. Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Ryan Knudsen. And I'm Kate Leinbaugh. It's Monday, January 27th. Things weren't always so complicated between Bezos and Saudi Arabia. Actually, for a few years, Bezos and the crown prince of Saudi Arabia, Mohammed bin Salman, seemed to be friends. The two met in 2016 when Bezos took a business trip to the country, looking to see what opportunities there might be for Amazon. And the crown prince saw the potential benefits of being friends with him. If Mohammed bin Salman could form a public relationship with Bezos where they were seen together and they were seen as in the same universe, and if Mohammed could make himself like... He's the kind of guy who travels in the same circles as Jeff Bezos. It would help him, and it would help his stature at home and abroad. This is Justin Sheck. He covers finance. He's especially been focused on Saudi Arabia and Mohammed bin Salman's new vision for the country. Mohammed bin Salman, early on, he identified Amazon as, as a company that he wanted to establish itself in Saudi Arabia to help kind of boost Saudi Arabia's profile and economy and make it more of the country he envisions. The prince has planned out a $500 billion brand new city to be built from scratch in the Red Sea. And the idea was that it was going to be a center for innovation. And they identified a number of anchor companies. They wanted to come there early on with a great, huge government incentives. The government would pay billions of dollars, give them free land, free rent, and all sorts of other incentives to bring them there to start creating jobs and to create like innovative new corporate structures. And Amazon was one of them. And do we have any sense of whether Bezos was on board with that plan? The prince and Bezos personally discussed various plans to bring Amazon, and specifically Amazon Web Services, to Saudi Arabia. They were talking about a deal where Amazon would have invested its own money, maybe a billion dollars more of its own money, building data centers in Saudi Arabia and turning it into like a regional hub, which would have been a brand new thing for the kingdom and would have added a level of kind of legitimacy in the business world that it hadn't really had. Bezos hasn't commented on his relationship with the Saudis. And representatives for the Saudi government also declined to comment, as did an Amazon spokesperson. But Justin and his colleagues spoke to people on both sides of the agreement. And they said this deal was an exciting thing for Bezos and Mohammed bin Salman. Those sources say that the two men continued to discuss the agreement from afar. And then... 
in the spring of 2018, the prince took a trip that kicked off a series of events that would eventually call this relationship into question. Mohammed bin Salman came to the United States for three weeks in a big, splashy campaign to change American perceptions about the conservative and oppressive kingdom. The crown prince of Saudi Arabia is poised to take Hollywood by storm later today, reportedly set to meet with heavyweights Rupert Murdoch and Bob Iger, among others. He had a whirlwind tour. He went to a Starbucks with Michael Bloomberg. He met everyone from President Trump to Oprah Winfrey to Richard Branson. And did he see Jeff Bezos? He saw Jeff Bezos in L.A. They had dinner. At the dinner in Los Angeles on April 4th, 2018, the prince and Bezos exchanged contact information. So Bezos took out his iPhone and just sent a WhatsApp message to the prince that said, hello, MBS. MBS is Mohammed bin Salman. And Mohammed replied by saying, hello, I saved the number, Mohammed bin Salman. And for context, The prince is an extremely busy person, and he stays up all night, and I don't think he sleeps very much, and he is WhatsApp messaging with a lot of people all over the world, seemingly all the time. And so it wasn't really unusual that he and Bezos would exchange WhatsApp numbers and that they would then send messages back and forth. It's in keeping with the way the prince does things. After they exchanged numbers on WhatsApp, Bezos became one of the people MBS stayed up late at night messaging. According to Justin's sources, they discussed business over WhatsApp. And then Bezos got another message from MBS's WhatsApp account. In May of 2018, Mohammed sent a video, and it was like this kind of promotional tourism video about Saudi Arabia. Bezos didn't react to the video at the time. But according to a report commissioned by Bezos and released last week, there was apparently something weird about this video. Shortly after that was sent, huge volumes of data started leaving Bezos's phone in a way that is not normal. And so these people hired by Bezos concluded that there was some kind of spyware file attached to the video that was installed on Bezos's phone and that was used to pull data off the phone. What did the Saudis say about that allegation? The Saudis said it was absurd, but for context here, you know, and this has been widely reported publicly, in the couple of months before this alleged infiltration of the Bezos phone, the Saudi government had used spyware to infiltrate the phones of a number of dissidents. So there had been this fairly widespread effort to spy on people's phones leading up to that. Saudi officials close to the crown prince told the journal they were aware of a plan to hack Bezos's phone, though they were not aware that a hack actually happened. The Saudi government denies that the prince hacked Bezos's phone. But around this time, there was an issue that the Saudi government had with Bezos. Bezos owned the Washington Post, and the people close to Bezos say that there was resentment over the Washington Post publishing columns by a dissident criticizing the kingdom. Those columns were written by a man named Jamal Khashoggi. Jamal Khashoggi was a sort of uniquely Saudi figure. His columns were like very critical of what was happening in Saudi Arabia, of, uh, especially of the crackdown on dissent and of dissidents being locked up or being silenced otherwise. And is there any evidence that Jeff Bezos had a direct line or was in communication with Jamal Khashoggi? Well, you know, it's hard to get into someone else's mind. But when you come from a, a government and a country where there's one guy who's in charge 
And what happens is all an extension of what he says. When you deal with another institution where there's one guy in charge, you may come from it from the mindset that everyone does what you say. Are there any other possible motivations that the Saudis could have had to hack Bezos's phone? You know, there's a good relationship between Mohammed bin Salman and the Trump administration. And so there's all sorts of speculation around, you know, Trump dislikes Bezos and they call him Jeff Bozo in a tweet and Trump doesn't like the Washington Post. And there could be a convergence of interests around making Bezos look bad and what Trump wants and what the Saudis want. I mean, who knows? You know, like, maybe it's as good to have everything inside the phone of a really rich guy. These are just theories that would emerge months later. But at this time, Bezos was unaware that his phone may have been compromised. And he kept using it to message MBS over WhatsApp. They talked about business deals. They talked about the data center. Mohammed talked about his plans for the kingdom. It seemed fairly friendly. And then in October of 2018, as most listeners probably know, Khashoggi was murdered inside the Saudi embassy in Istanbul by people who work for the crown prince. New details reported on the murder of Jamal Khashoggi. Turkish TV showing video of men carrying luggage into the residence of the Saudi Council General in Istanbul. The report says the five suitcases contain the remains of the Washington Post columnist. The CIA has reportedly concluded that the Saudi Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman ordered Khashoggi's murder. The Crown Prince denies any involvement. Outrage is growing as leaders are demanding answers from Saudi Arabia. And that's when the relationship between Bezos and and Mohammed really sort of fell apart. This created a rift between the prince and Bezos. In the weeks before Khashoggi's killing, MBS had been texting Bezos, saying it was really important that Bezos come to Saudi Arabia for an economic development conference MBS was hosting. Mohammed has this conference in 2017. They called it Davos in the Desert. It was a nickname. It, it attracted, you know, all the titans of finance to come to Saudi Arabia and was this public display of how the kingdom is now a destination for the world's most powerful investors and business people. 2018 was supposed to be even bigger. And Bezos had talked about coming and being sort of a surprise guest. And then Amazon sort of pulled out of any dealing around, around the conference. And, and, you know, a lot of other people pulled out as well. And that, I think, upset the prince. We felt, you know, he's being abandoned. MBS and Bezos were no longer on friendly terms. And that was just the start of trouble for Jeff Bezos. That's after the break. This episode is brought to you by Vonage. With Vonage Video API, your developers can easily create custom video experiences tailored to your business. Enhance every conversation with live video, whether it's delivering faster tech support, improving customer service, or enabling interactive meetings and events. Unlock the true video potential of your business. Discover how at Vonage.com. This episode is brought to you by Natrol. Natrol is America's number one drug-free sleep aid brand, helping you fall asleep faster and stay asleep longer. Natrol melatonin gummies are made with clean ingredients, like 99% pure melatonin, to work with your sleep cycle, helping you sleep better, making the next day your best day. Natrol. Sleep tonight. Live tomorrow. Shop now at Natrol.com. This product helps with occasional sleeplessness. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent diseases. 
Welcome back. By the end of 2018, MBS and Bezos were not on good terms. But no one knew the extent of it, not until a personal drama in Bezos's life brought it to light. And there's a person here at the Journal who's watched it all unfold, the head of our investigations team, a man named Mike Sikinolfi. And how do most people refer to you in the newsroom? Sicko. (laughs) (laughs) But again, that doesn't have to be um, chief or boss. I answer to a lot of names. I just want to see copy. There's a lot of copy that crosses Mike's desk. And the recent stories that he's been editing have their genesis in a big announcement Bezos made last year. In January of last year, Bezos came out with a tweet announcing that his wife of 25 years, Mackenzie Bezos, and he were divorcing. And shortly after that, the National Enquirer, the tabloid paper of record, came out with screaming headlines talking about how the divorce was prompted by an affair that Bezos had with Lauren Sanchez. Lauren Sanchez was a TV anchor, was married herself at the time. And so what looked to be a major revelation of a personal nature by Bezos, the divorce turned within a few hours into a much larger scandal because it involved the National Enquirer releasing to the public very embarrassing information about Jeff Bezos's affair, which led to the divorce. And some photographic evidence of this. Yes. There were photos and there were texts that the National Enquirer had gotten. So can you give us a flavor of those texts? Yeah, I'll try. This is verbatim. Bezos told Sanchez, I want to smell you. I want to breathe you in. I want to hold you tight. I want to kiss your lips. I love you. I am in love with you. And on and on. Until recently, Bezos had sort of a geeky reputation. In an interview in 2014, he said that doing dishes every night was the sexiest thing he does. His personal life was certainly kept private for many years. And everyone, when they focused on Bezos, they talked about the brilliance of his business acumen and and how he founded Amazon and turned it into this monster company that everyone, you know, uses. He seemed to be a private guy. And it's that private persona that made Bezos's public response after the saga perhaps even more surprising. About a month later, Bezos issued an extraordinary blog post on what's called Medium. In this post, Bezos wrote, quote, It's unavoidable that certain powerful people who experience Washington Post news coverage will wrongly conclude, I am their enemy. And Bezos hinted at two potential enemies who might be behind the National Enquirer article. One, the White House, which had publicly complained about Washington Post coverage. And the other, the Saudi government. The connection between Saudi Arabia and the National Enquirer might seem surprising, but they have a history. Here's Justin. We know that Prince Mohammed and David Pecker, who's, you know, the head of the parent company of the National Enquirer, had met in 2017. They knew each other. And around the 2018 visit, when Mohammed came to America, the Enquirer published this, like, glossy magazine that was basically, I mean, it was almost reminiscent to, like, the stuff that you'd see in the tabloids about, like, Princess Diana. It was, like, this fawning, over-the-top language about how amazing... Prince Mohammed is and how he's changing Saudi Arabia and one of the, he's one of the world's biggest investors and this incredible American ally fighting terrorism. And it was this like fawning piece of 
suckupery. The National Enquirer's parent company, sources have said, had talked with the Saudis about funding for the company. And in this blog post, Bezos revealed that he thought the National Enquirer was going after him beyond just the one story they'd published. He accused the paper of trying to blackmail him by threatening to release more details about his extramarital affair. Racy photos, more texts, ones that would be even more embarrassing if they ever came out to Bezos than what had previously come out. Things like, according to Bezos's Medium post, a full-length body selfie of Mr. Bezos wearing just a pair of tight black boxer briefs or trunks with his phone in his left hand while wearing his wedding ring, or other naked selfies and the like. Exactly. Bezos said in this Medium post that the National Enquirer was blackmailing him because they wanted him to stop investigating how they got his texts and why they wanted them. American Media, the parent company of the National Enquirer, denies there were any political motives behind the report on Bezos. When you read Bezos's Medium post, what was your reaction to reading that letter? Do you remember? Holy smokes, or some variation of that, probably. And the National Enquirer you know, had for many years been trafficking in racy information. But this was the first instance that we were aware of where an executive tried to get ahead of what the Inquirer was doing and flip the script on them and put them on the defensive. So we knew it was a huge story. We just didn't know how far it was going to go. Bezos's public admission about these photos and texts and his claim of blackmail launched a bunch of different investigations. Prosecutors, reporters, and Bezos himself were all trying to figure out what happened, exactly how the National Enquirer was able to get a hold of the texts, and whether the Enquirer was motivated by anything other than juicy tabloid gossip. We launched an investigation, too. Our team, through the sources that they spoke with, discovered that the Enquirer had received a number of photos and texts from Michael Sanchez, who was the brother of Bezos' lover, Lauren Sanchez. And what did our sources say about who Michael Sanchez is? So Michael Sanchez, it wasn't particularly well-known before this incident, as a talent agent, and he's managed some television stars and reality show judges. But the more important element of this, at least as it relates to the Inquirer, is he's long been a source for the Inquirer. Reporters here at the Journal were able to find the contract that Michael Sanchez signed with the National Inquirer. There was an agreement that the Inquirer came up with with Michael Sanchez, paying him the princely sum of $200,000 for text, photos, and other information that related specifically to the affair that his sister had with Jeff Bezos. In that contract, Michael Sanchez said he got the texts and photographs legally. So that left Mike and his team wondering, how exactly did Sanchez get those texts? And last week, on Friday, they found out. The photos and the texts that Michael Sanchez got were sent to him by none other than his sister, Lauren Sanchez. The U.S. Attorney's Office for the Southern District of New York and Manhattan is in possession of these texts showing the progression of the text and photos from Lauren Sanchez to Michael Sanchez to the National Enquirer. But wait a minute here. <laughs> this is... His sister sent the photos, these racy photos, the texts that you read, to her brother. 
Why would she do that? Well, I don't think anyone can get into Lauren Sanchez's head, and Lauren has not responded to requests that we've made, multiple requests for comment. At the time, she was married. Jeff Bezos was married. So people could speculate about what her intentions were. What the effect was that it did trigger, or seemed to trigger, Bezos to get a divorce from his wife, and now Lauren Sanchez and Jeff Bezos are a couple. Michael Sanchez declined to comment on the texts or his contract with American media. In a statement, he said, quote, with spoon-fed lies and half-truths, the Wall Street Journal keeps getting it wrong. Lauren Sanchez didn't respond to requests for comment, and an attorney for Jeff Bezos declined to comment. There's one aspect of the text revelations that Justin says is unresolved. There's this little sort of space in there, which is that, it's still unclear how the Inquirer was first tipped off about the affair. The Inquirer said they were tipped off to the affair in advance of getting the stuff from the brother, and we don't know how they were tipped off. Last week, a report that was commissioned by Bezos came out. It looked into the possible hacking of his phone. And that report concluded that Saudi Arabia likely hacked into his iPhone through that video message sent in May of 2018. Two United Nations officials reviewed the report and said that Bezos was likely hacked by Saudi Arabia in an attempt to influence how the Washington Post was covering the country. But especially to many cybersecurity experts, the report wasn't complete. Nobody's found the malware on the phone. There's some like big gaps here. So there are all these speculative reasons why something might be true or something might have happened, but there still remains the fact that nobody's found the alleged piece of malicious software. The report also doesn't say what sort of things, if any, were taken off of Bezos's phone by the Saudis. The questions that surround this are, is there any nexus between what they believe Saudi Arabia did and what came out in the acquirer? We're not sure. Private information was compromised from the richest man in the world. And we know that the National Enquirer was up to its own thing, buying the, the information from the, the girlfriend's brother. And the Saudis allegedly have their own plan to take Bezos' information. There are all these, like, individual data points that make you think, you know, is there something deeper here? Is this just, are we just connecting dots that shouldn't be connected? It's possible they're totally separate. It's possible there's a relationship. It's also possible there isn't a Saudi thing. Because again, it's not been proven that, that he infiltrated the phone. So it could be two separate things. It could only be one thing. It could be one unified thing. We don't really know. It remains a mystery. It remains a mystery. But it might not for too long. We don't know. Get to work. <laughs> yeah. for today, Monday, January 27th. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. Quick disclosure, Rupert Murdoch is the owner of News Corp, which is the parent company of The Wall Street Journal. Special thanks to Summer Saeed, Bradley Hope, Joe Palazzolo, and Corey Ramey for their additional reporting. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.